Yes, it's me, Mike Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. It's the fastest, it's the friendliest, and it's for all the family. The Gas Shocks 116 Trophy and 120 Coupe Cup are the fastest growing race series in the UK, taking in six one-hour races and eight sprints at all the top circuits. Visit 116trophy.com to find out more and get yourself behind the wheel. The world of commercial vehicles. Rose-tinted glasses, the one thing that people love to look at is an old van fully sign-written. It remembers them and reminds them of when they were a child uh, walking into the town and seeing the local butchers, the local florists, the local fishmongers with his little van delivering things. Regrettably, those have all passed away to a degree. But if you come to the British Commercial Vehicle Museum, appropriately based at Leyland, all your memories will come back to life. So I'm pleased to welcome to the Backseat Drive radio show, Keith Moyes, trustee of the British Commercial Vehicle Museum, and Rob Pratton, activity coordinator. Gentlemen, welcome to the Backseat Drive radio show. Thank you, Mark. Now, it's, it's appropriate we are at Leyland because Leyland is regarded as the home and the epicentre of British commercial vehicles. Uh, Leyland as a town uh, was the area that was used by the originators of what became Leyland Trucks. Yeah. Um, and Leyland Trucks based themselves here until such time as they were taken over by BMC or British Leyland Corporation, um, which incorporated cars and truck manufacturing in Wolverhampton, in London, in Bristol and round the country. Yeah. But I mean, when you look around the museum, I mean, it's a magnificent display. All the old names are on show because apart from Leyland trucks that everybody remembers, or British Leylands, I mean, we had Thornycrofts, we had Albions, there were all sorts of what you might call independent truck manufacturers who regrettably have either fallen by the wayside or absorbed into, as you said, British Leyland or Leyland trucks. Yeah, about 30 years ago there was at least 26 independent truck manufacturing operations in the UK. Yeah. And I remember going to a conference in Paris then and somebody stood up and said that there will be no more than six European truck manufacturers by the year 2000. Yeah. And we all said, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> and it transpired. Yeah. So, I mean, when you look around, how many of the old trucks still survive and still exist? Because most people have just said don't remember a lot of them, but There's, I mean, you keep them alive. There, there is a lot. Yeah. Um, but again, that bit, that area of society has changed. Yeah. The people who yeah. preserved and ran old vintage vehicles generally were involved in the haulage business. Yeah, so I was just putting in, I know a lot of haulage companies, modern haulage companies, that have 
old trucks, they own old trucks and yes. take part in the rallies with them. And that, and that was driven by the owners of these businesses. Yeah. Now, you look at the demographic now of haulage companies in the UK, there's been a demise of family haulage businesses yeah. of between 10 and 50 trucks. Yeah. A lot of them have been swept up yeah. by the national haulage companies. Yeah. So they don't exist. The other thing is that the, the people who owned these businesses and owned the vintage trucks or kept vintage trucks had an interest in doing it. Yeah. Uh, they must have had a fairly prosperous life because my experience is that uh, the children of these people, who would now be in their 80s, yeah. um, were better educated than their, fa their fathers and mothers, went off to do other things and don't want to get their hands dirty in the haulage <laughs> industry. So they haven't got a clue what to do with these vehicles yeah. because they have no interest in it or they are scattered up and down the country yeah. in different professions. And the, you know, the idea of spending the weekend rectifying a vintage truck doesn't appeal to your <laughs> average solicitor or general practitioner or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of vehicles that are not getting the attention <coughs> that they need to stay on the road. And I think that'll be a progression yeah. through the years. I mean, how did the British Commercial Vehicle Museum come into being? When, when was it started and who started it, etc.? Uh, British Leyland Corporation had a collection of cars and trucks. Mm. And before the liquidators moved in, they set up two trusts, one in Birmingham, which is now the National Motor Museum. Oh. And this one. Yeah. This one was the commercial vehicle side. Yeah. And the one in Birmingham was car automotive yeah. side, Jaguar, Land Rover, Austin Morris, etc., etc. So yeah. that's how it came about. But it's an independent, they're, they're both independent trusts away yeah. from the manufacturing process that went to the wind. So that's how it set up. It was set up here in 84. Yeah. Um, and the then director of Leyland Trucks, I think he was handed the job of chairman yeah. of the trust. There you are, it's I, yours. I, yes, I don't think it was an option. I think it was very much a, we need somebody to do this. Yeah. Uh, you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's still chairman today. <coughs> John Gilchrist. He was MD of uh, Leyland DAF. Yeah. Leyland Trucks. Manufacturing process in Leyland. And the factory is still there. Yeah. And it now produces DAF only product. Yeah. For UK and European operation. Right. It's now part of the American Packard Group. But John retired when Packard bought uh, Leyland Trucks. Yeah. 
and uh, has uh, remained an interested chairman ever since. The so, other trustees have been uh, adopted through yeah. time from various sources. Yeah. So notice it, it's adopted you because you are one of the trustees. Yes. Yes. Uh, my my life has been in uh, trucks. Yeah. For a long number of years. I mean, people who were involved in the haulage industry and trucks, it tends to be they died in the wool. That's they're born that way, they live their life that way, and they not being funny, they pass away that way. It is their absolute being is trucks. There's it, something about trucks and truckers. It it is a freak of nature. Yeah. That once you're in the truck industry on either side. Yeah. It's. Ex I have known people who have left the industry, mm. but gravitated back. Yeah. Almost to a person. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to get out of it. Yeah. Or get the feeling in another profession mm. that it's as good. Yeah. So after it was formed as such as the trust, how did it evolve into the museum that we see today? This particular building. Um, was owned by Leyland Trucks. Yeah. Um, and it was the customer handover point in the 30s. Oh, right. Before there were such things as dealers. Yeah. You ordered a vehicle direct from the manufacturer with a specification. Yeah. When the manufacturer built that vehicle in chassis cab form or chassis for an end form or complete vehicle. Yeah. You came down, you inspected it, you made sure it was to the right specification, you paid your money, and you took it away. Yeah. This business, this building was within that portfolio and was then used as the museum base. Yeah. Um, it was kitted out as a museum uh, in the 80s yeah. and uh, until four years ago, five years ago, it had existed in a pretty sorry state. Yeah. I've visited this place over the years and it's I've seen how it's one of the better term evolved and, and got better. Well, before it got better it deteriorated. Yeah. It deteriorated to the point that the roof leaked. Uh, when I got involved, the first thing I did is turn off the gas heating because nobody had inspected it for some time, so <laughs> we never used it, so we had no heating. Uh, we had water coming through the roof, we had the roofers in at least every two months to yeah. patch things up. It was freezing cold um, in the winter, so we couldn't open in the winter. We only opened in the spring to summer yeah. on a weekend. And we got, we got to the point that we had two directions to go. We had a very good collection of vehicles. We had a very good collection of volunteers who understood vehicles and yeah. could explain about it. Uh, but we were housed in a completely unsuitable building. Yeah. So it was either, let's wrap it up, or do we find somebody to fund a change round. Yeah. So we applied to Heritage Lottery and we were successful in that. And what you see now is 
a two point three million pound investment. Yeah. In a building, uh, we knocked the inside of it out completely, yeah. and we did that by and we kept fifty of the vehicles on site whilst we did that. Yeah. By moving them around every weekend hmm. to suit the builders. Yeah. <laughs> um, because we had no no place to put them. Yeah. And our fear was that if we returned them all to the owners, we wouldn't get them all back. Yeah. Particularly some of the more interesting ones. Um, that build process was complete in 20? 20, yeah. yeah. And the first year that we had in the new no, redesigned... 2019, wasn't yeah, it? January yeah. 2019. Yeah, yeah. It was excellent. We had we had anticipated that we would move from about ten to twelve thousand visitors a year to twenty five thousand. Yeah. And the first full year of operation, we actually got to twenty two thousand. Right. Which was pretty good. Yeah. Um, then along came a virus, and that knocked the stuffing out of the business. Yeah. Um, Able was shut for so long. Um, I'd be people not wishing to go out to the same degree that they had done previously. Yeah. And it's only now that you can actually see there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Uh, and we are hoping it's not the express train. <laughs> we are hoping it's the Heading sun. towards you. <laughs> yeah, we hope it's the sun. I mean, just talk me through some of the uh, vehicles on shore because, I mean, some of them are incredibly old, aren't they? We have a reconstituted horse bus, which was 1800. Yeah. Um, we have got a steam lawnmower, which is a replica of the original, which was, again was 1800. Yeah. We've got a Shand fire engine, which was horse drawn. Uh, we've got a horse-drawn delivery van. We've got a variety of steam-powered vehicles. Yeah. Because um, a lot of people don't realise that from horses to engine-driven, they went through the steam-powered. Yes. Which lasted probably longer than a lot of people think. But the problem was it was a, it was delivering by steam was a slow process, wasn't it? Because you had to keep stopping every so often to fill them with water and fill them with coal. That's right. That's right. So it was a, low, a slow, slow process. Yeah. And most of them are on solid wheels as well. Yeah. Which makes and no suspension. So it makes a fairly long and uncomfortable journey that you were going on. Yeah. We then move in from steam, we move on to petrol. And we've got some turn of the century petrol vehicles, um, all of which start and run. Yeah. And then we move into diesel, all of which start and run. And the youngest, we've got a variety of vehicles, the youngest one being about 20 years old. Yeah. Because I noticed you've also got a Pope mobile as well. We have. Yeah. There were two built. We have one. But, I mean, that's the interesting thing. I mean, you go to a lot of museums where they have cars on display and they'll turn around and say, about 40% of them run. It's nice when they all actually run. Mm. So, I mean, who's 
Are they used often? Do they come out and drive around at all? Or whose job is it to keep them all ticking over? It's our job to keep them all ticking over. Yeah. Problem with uh, internal combustion engines is that if you don't run them mm. every so often, they have this nasty habit of seizing. Yeah. And then when you do go try and run them, something goes bang or, or bang. <laughs> um, so we are we've got a maintenance regime. Yeah. Um, with fluids, oils, uh, running gear, etc., etc. And out of the fifty volunteers that we've got, we've got about ten or twelve who are technically extremely proficient. Yeah. Who can actually repair things. They a, di a dying art these days is repairing things. They, they, they can repair engines, yep. they can repair gearboxes, and they can repair back axles, uh, which doesn't happen now if you have a modern car and take it in, they take the part off, they throw it away and they put a new one on. Yes. Um, we can still repair things. Yeah. I mean, that was the one thing about the haulage industry. People repaired, it's like you said, because of the older trucks people don't want to, but back... Most haulage companies back in the day, besides that their depot would have what you might call a workshop bay, where the trucks <laughs> used to go in to be looked after and maintained and serviced and the brakes done and everything else. Well, that, that, that was a process of the industry. Yeah. If you, if you had a vehicle that, say, was working between Glasgow and Birmingham, or London, and you had a depot in the north. If you had a vehicle coming up loaded, yeah, say I had to go to Glasgow out of Birmingham, and it developed a fault, it would call into the depot. They would have to fix it, yeah, to get it going. Nowadays, very rarely happens mm. that way. Well, I mean. These days, it's all in many ways. It's all articulated. If you have a problem with the tractor unit at the front, you just swap over and hook the trailer to something else. Back many years ago, they were rigids, mm. which meant and the loads was roped and sheeted on. Yes, which I, don't, I think that's something else that doesn't happen these days: roping and sheeting. Uh, it's all curtain siders and everything else. So if you if you have a problem, you just uncouple the trailer from one and hook it to another. Back in the day. It was like, like I just said, there were ridges with roped and sheeted on. The vehicle had to be repaired at certain times at the side of the road. Yes. Yes. Uh, the good old days. <laughs> when and, and Scotch <laughs> corner and transport <laughs> cafes and things like that. Yeah, the good old days where you sent people out to fix a truck at the yeah. side of the road uh, when it was snowing yeah. or raining. <laughs> and... Uh, you're lying under this truck, trying to fix it, mm. uh, with the traffic passing four feet from your head. Yeah. In inclement weather. Uh, and, and an unexpected small river running running down your shirt and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, besides being on display, as I said, it's a, it is a superb display. Do they ever go out to do things, these trucks. I don't mean deliver things, but do you ever have days where they can go out, where the public, instead of having to come here to see them, can stand at the side of the road and watch them go past? Was it three weeks ago? Yeah. There's a festival in Leland. Yeah. And we sent out the Pope Mobile 
a post office van. What else did we say? Uh, the Morris Minor. Morris Minor. Uh, the Bedford. Bedford with milk churns on it. Yeah. And the Sherpa. Right. And they took part in the parade yeah. down to the park. And uh, we met interested visitors down there. Well, it's like I said, the one thing about commercials is, it's like street furniture, you see road signs and things like that. You'd see, a, I can remember growing up and seeing vans and trucks go past and you never, you never gave them a second notice. Now, you see an old van or an old truck come past and you stand and it's a pleasure to watch this old vehicle come past you because it reminds you of things. It's just nice to see them yeah. because they are, they have character about them. Yes, but we have another way that people can appreciate that. Yeah. We've got an archive here where we have every build sheet for every Leyland Group vehicle that was ever built. Oh, right. In trucks. Yeah. Um, we have a, a social history of the area and working conditions and families and what went on yeah. allied to the industry at that time and that archive is open either via the internet or personally if people want to have images photographs of what went on then yeah and particular vehicles as well and I think we're upwards of what 300,000 images yeah this point in time now I must now bring in Rob Pratton, the ac the activities coordinator. What activities do you guys get up to? Well, well, my role and, and responsibilities are, are um, threefold, really. Yeah. Um, in the main, so um, I manage the volunteer team. Yeah. Um, and uh, all all the activities that they are involved in, which yeah. include that it's wide ranging. Um, that includes welcoming the visitors to the museum, uh, sharing knowledge with the visitors from the museum. Yeah. Uh, to to the museum, um, conversation with with the visitors. That's a big. Because I dare say, there. quite a lot of people who come here will come here and turn around like the old, not being funny, the older people, and say, "I used to drive one of them." That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's that that um, those memories and that nostalgia and those yeah. connections that people have. With the with the vehicles and with yeah. the with the industry, um, whether it be be someone who uh, comes in and says they used to drive them, which we, we do get that quite yeah. a lot. And uh, just last weekend, the volunteers were telling me how they uh, uh, this particular volunteer had engaged in conversation with a couple who'd come in and they'd sat on the bus yeah. reminiscing um, <laughs> because it was the, the bus that they had taken yeah. to. Um, their work as police cadets yeah. many many years, years ago. ago so this couple uh, you know who uh, the, the full story was that they uh, had um, been together uh, become become apart so over the years and yeah. reunited many many years later and got together and married yeah so a lovely story but they've been on the bus so you get that that story as well yeah. um, so it's all the ways in which people connect with with the with the buses yeah the volunteers help to to bring out in conversation because that's the one thing besides trucks and vans there's buses and i think the thing is a lot of people don't realize a lot of buses were technically a truck with a a lot of seats instead of a load and mm. um, once again, it's you can like like you said, it's a social thing. Mm -hmm. um, Very much. 
I mean, if you think now about going on a coach trip, if your coach isn't air-conditioned with toilets, TV and everything else, mm. you wouldn't dream of getting on it. You look at the old buses mm. and they were very spectacular in design, mm. but compared to today, mm. long distance was, shall we say, uh, it, it was something that you to definitely want to do was long distance on some of the old buses and coaches. Yes, but it was all part of the experience, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> Again, well, people it talk. was arduous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a slightly higher spec. We've got a coach here, which was the, your average holiday coach, which was a designed to look sleek. The they were, some of them were virtually space age, some of them, yeah, weren't they? Yeah, the moquette on the yeah. inside is better than the plastic seating that was in the, on the general normal. purpose. Yeah. Um, they had a ventilation system, but they also had heating. Yeah. You know, uh, it's amazing the amount of old vehicles that didn't have heating. Yeah. Or they were an extra, it was an extra that yeah. people never really bothered about because you weren't on it that long. No. But coaches developed out off the back of this holiday type course yeah. and then they went to space frame build yeah. to give more space for luggage, crew compartments toilets and all the electrical kit that they then fitted on it's like if you look at the luggage storage at one time it was at the back like a car was and then as, yeah. as they've gone modern it's now at each side underneath where the passengers sit that's right and so is the crew compartment yeah and not many people know that there's a crew compartment in long distance coaches now. No. Where people, if you've got a double crew. Yeah. And they, sometimes you need double crew if you're driving down to Malaga or some yeah. place like that. Uh, what One sleeps under. Oh, right. Plus one drive. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do it. <laughs> 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 So, I mean, what other activities do you guys get yeah. up to? Because I noticed, well, like, when you come in, there's things for children. Yes, yeah, I, was, I was just going to say, and just thinking about um, the buses as well. That, yeah. That's one. When the children go on there on the bus that they can that they can go on. Yeah. Um, one of the first things that they notice straight to mind is no seatbelts. Just talking <laughs> about the children. <laughs> but this this bus hasn't got a seatbelt. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it, it's. Um, it's a very important part of what we do here, yeah. um, uh, providing that learning experience for children to come yeah. to a very special place to there's, see. There's also the educational factor. We have mm. we have quite a lot of school visits mm. yeah. as part of the curriculum and transport. Mm. So Rob liaises with all the schools locally yeah. Yeah. and brings the school parties yeah. in and it, we've got selected volunteers who work with the teachers. Yeah. When they're, they're here doing yeah. that. So this where room now is set up. You know, where we're sitting over is a conference area. Yeah. Uh, this splits into two. You could put 35 people on each side of it. It's fully AV compliant, etc., etc. Yeah. And we encourage visitors to come and hold meetings and conferences here. Yeah. Um, we look at, we've got a couple of times left this year where we're actually renting the museum out lock, stock and barrel mm. to a couple of organisations. Yeah. Well, they're going to use it for their own purpose. Right. On the day. Because just thinking back, it's quite a long while ago now, but I was involved with the Sir William Lyons Memorial event. Mm. And because of the association with Blackpool, where 
Bill Lyons started with Swallow Sidecars, etc. The big event hosted one particular, we had an evening here. It was opened, it was a private function, but there were quite, I think there were about 100 people here. And uh, that was quite a, a good do. So I was going to say, you can hire the place if you want. Yes, you can. You can, <clears throat> you can hire the place for the... Now, now we've got heating. Yeah. It makes it more attractive. It does. <laughs> you, can, you can hire the place for a full day or an evening, a yeah. full evening. And we will work with you on what you want to do by moving vehicles, yeah. making seating areas. You know, we at Christmas, we have a Christmas concert in here. Yeah. And it means moving four or five vehicles yeah. and seating 200 people yeah. and having a concert there. When we had a a beer festival when you were allowed to have them yeah you know we had 350 people mm. in you'll be starting them up again won't you they're starting them up next year <laughs> uh, there's, there's still a reluctance in i think the general population or the older variety yeah to uh step out into that sort of thing yeah but yeah, we'll be doing that. But there's the lure of beer. I mean, it's it's this long distance draw, isn't it? You can feel yourself getting pulled towards it. <laughs> yes, yes. So we do that. Um, we're open to all sorts of suggestions. Yeah. You know, we, we've had uh, TV crews around here, uh, and mainly on the antique yeah. roadshow type thing. And one of the things that we're considering is... Uh, Wedding functions. Yeah. So I was going to say, can you hire any of the vehicles? Do any of them? No, right. No, no, no. We don't have a license to do that. Right. There are laws that are, don't allow you to yeah. do that. Or do they do TV work? Do they ever go out and do anything television-wise? You kidding? No. Oh. We want them back in the same kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that, that, that's a bit risky, particularly with what if you look at the quality of the exhibits. I mean, they're all in that, they're all in stunning condition, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, mm. and to put them on a TV set for three weeks, yeah, is just not going to happen. Oh yeah, somebody will reverse into it. Yeah, <laughs> somebody will reverse into it. Somebody will damage it in some way. Yeah, or you know, so why should we do that? Yeah, if we had bigger facilities mm. we could start that up as yeah. a separate operation yeah but not from not with what we've got yeah i mean can you become if anybody's interested can you become like a friend of the museum you can and become more involved and things like that you can become a volunteer you yeah can become a if volunteer. you wish you can become a member of course we offer we offer membership tickets as yeah. well for for people to uh, come to the museum as yeah. many times as they like within the year but um, volunteering is uh, yeah. one of the key ways what, what's a volunteer likely to be asked to volunteer to do well uh, there are a range of um, volunteering activities yeah. uh, there are archive uh, volunteers who manage the archive um, and deal with the inquiries yeah. and also the orders for photographs and build sheets that Keith yeah. was talking about before um, so that's a, a, a one key role here at yeah. the, the museum. There are the exhibition area volunteers that yeah. I mentioned before. Um, like we've mentioned about moving the vehicles, for example, for setting up yeah. for events. Um, then volunteers. And I conclude from what you said, you've got volunteer mechanics, do you? People who come in and 
will span around yeah, them. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and they are all of the uh, long age variety. Yeah. Um, They'll be the ones that enjoy doing it, won't they? Yes. <laughs> they do. They yeah, do. They do. Yeah. It's, they it's it. not a job. It's yeah. like vintage yeah. car owners, veteran and vintage yeah. car owners. Yeah. It's, it's not a chore. It's yeah. If it doesn't break down, they get it's upset. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing yeah. to do. Yeah. They get a bit, well, what am I going to do? Yeah. So, we, you know, on the floor of the museum, we've got um, volunteers who like talking to people. Yeah. Who have a big understanding of what we've got here yeah. and can explain things in detail. We've got the technical volunteers who can fix anything. Yeah. We've got painters, electricians, joiners, you name the profession, we can practically do it all yeah. in ourselves, with the exception of IT. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the downside. <laughs> So, uh, thinking of the technical side uh, on the IT side, we've got uh, a couple of volunteers in particular who uh, are now running a film digitisation project that we got right. funding for. So, digitising yeah. the film that we got in our archives, yeah. and, and they've they've really uh, sort of managed that that project from the start off and planned that through, yeah. uh, and have the technical expertise so to do got, that. So we've got with. over nine hundred yeah. yeah. films, yeah. right? And we want to digitise it. Yeah. So we went into the marketplace, and then we rapidly came back out of the marketplace. Yeah. As the cost of digitising. <laughs> so we're now doing it ourselves. Yeah. We two two guys who are very interested in that, and we gave them their head. Yeah. To you know develop what they can, so uh, they're now digitising thirty five mil films. Yeah. On, onto DVDs mm. that we can then sell to people if they want a copy of that. Keith Boys, Rob Pratton, thank you very much for joining me on the Backseat Driver Radio Show. I mean, it is, it's a fantastic museum. I mean, I'm not being funny, it's not a huge museum, so, but there's so much to see. Besides the trucks, there's things on the walls. There's, when I was last here, we did a treasure hunt, and I must say, I uh, did rather well at that shows how sad I am at times <laughs> <laughs> but no gentlemen thank you very much for joining me on the Backseat Driver radio show thank you, thank you. on price never beaten on service whether it's cars bikes or commercials Hoddy tires are the best in the business and when it comes to tire expertise and advice to supplying the correct tires for your vehicle specific requirements nobody comes close to david lakin and the Hoddy tires team so give them a call on 01200 613 192 or visit the website at hoddytires.co.uk